to think all these people are writing because they have themselves or a, a sister, a brother, a mother, father, a friend that's gone through cancer and they know that what they're doing that day is helping them and helping you know the next people get it. It was pretty moving. This is the James Cancer Free World Podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg, and today we have a special guest, Dr. Christina Johnson, president of The Ohio State University. Dr. Johnson is in the midst of a diverse and pretty amazing career as an electrical engineer, a business, public policy, and academic leader, and an advocate for women. But today, we'll focus on her own cancer journey, Dr. Johnson's first Pelotonia experience, and the role of Ohio State, the James, and the Comprehensive Cancer Center in creating a cancer-free world. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Johnson. Thanks very much, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. I thought we would start off by going back in time to your senior year at Stanford. You were a a really good field hockey player, a national-level player. You were planning on going to grad school, and then something happened that kind of changed everything. Well, Steve, uh, certainly when I look back, I was very enthusiastic. I was a very enthusiastic field hockey player and a lacrosse player. Um, And I did aspire to play at the national level. I mean, honestly, uh, I wasn't probably good enough to do that, but, you know, I I still had the dream and was working out to accomplish that uh, with kids that did make the team. Uh, We didn't go in 1980, as everyone knows. Some of those players that I worked out with were there in 84 in, in LA. So that was really exciting. So I was very keen in athletics, really enjoyed that sport, but I did notice my senior year probably a year earlier that I just um, didn't quite have the consistent energy I thought I should for as hard as I was working out. Some days I I would feel real extreme fatigue, which is a symptom of Hodgkin's. So I was in what was called a co-terminal program, which means you stay an additional two years and you graduate with both your bachelor's and your master's degree. So I was still taking my final year undergraduate, but it's also in graduate courses. So it was during that co-terminal year that I um, was actually playing in club on the weekends and I had a doc on the team and I said, you know, I'm just feeling really, really tired. And I said, and I also have this lump on my left collarbone. Uh-oh. And she knew exactly. She, yeah. she just looked at me and she said, okay, let me, let me feel the lump. Uh, you need to go get that looked at. But she said later on, she knew exactly what it was because it's a classic symptom. So got diagnosed got the biopsy and, um, you know, started on the journey to going through the treatment to, you know, survive. Now I'd looked this up. So I just want to explain to everyone that, um, Hodgkin's lymphoma is cancer of the lymphatic system, which is part of the immune system. So I'm sure we've come a long way since then, but back then, what was the treatment? Yeah, so it was an interesting time to get it. I was diagnosed in 79, and actually it was about 68 or 69 that people started to see consistent results with very high-intensity radiation therapy. And so most of the treatment back then was radiation therapy. Chemo was actually pretty new uh, to be applied to it. So I had two sessions of six weeks each of radiation therapy. I think it's called the inverted Y-mantle. And that was, uh, that was pretty harrowing, actually, because at the time, uh, 
uh, it was a, a pretty high intensity radiation. So I got pretty sick. And I was also at the same time studying to pass my PhD exam, qualifying. So it was kind of a stressful time too. Um, Did you give any thought to taking off from school in the midst of your treatment? Or, I mean, cause that's tough to go be school full-time and cancer treatment. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't probably in hindsight, that would have been a good option, but I think part of it was I was just finishing my undergraduate and starting graduate school and I was on a research stipend. And so I needed to continue working in order to pay tuition as well as room and board because I was living off campus by that time. So um, I don't think I really thought I had a choice. And it's amazing when you're 20, 21 or two, you think you can do everything, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's certainly true. I mean, you think you're invincible and then something like this comes along. You say, oh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, I had amazing um, docs, a great oncologist, great radiation uh, oncology uh, professionals who got me through it. And in fact, I'm still in contact with my radiation oncologist, uh, Dr. Ragaway. He just retired oh, a few years ago um, from Stanford. Now, you mentioned that radiation was the primary treatment back then, and that was intensive. And what are sort of the side effects and the symptoms and the, the illnesses that you were dealing with as you were being treated for cancer and going to school and working? Well, I think so. I lost a lot of weight, uh, about 20 pounds for my weight now. And uh, so that was a, a bit challenging. think that that intense radiation, you know, I think people will appreciate this that have gone through it um, with the inverted Y mantle on the upper chest. I get really very burned under the arms, right? And, and then um, in the lower abdomen part, I did get nausea. And uh, I remember just uh, not expecting it. So that was uh, the first couple of days were pretty rough. And then I, I was able to um, get a little bit of nausea medication that helped tremendously. But I remember the day that I had my last treatment, you know, went home and washed off all the marks because, you know, they had, like, back in the day, you had the purple marks that would mark where the radiation would go. And that was such a great liberating day. It was so exciting. I was really, really happy. It wasn't little. Now I think they do little tattoos. Well, I did have tattoos too, but at the time they had these kind of purple alignment marks. um, Yeah. So uh, that was fun. And then ironically, I was still able to play lacrosse during that season, the spring season. I wasn't able in the fall to finish um, field hockey just due to surgeries and things. But in the spring, I was able to play lacrosse. And we actually had a tournament that weekend. I switched to a a little less active position, but I was able to play. And so that was pretty exciting. I was really jazzed. And I I did look this up. You helped start the the lacrosse club that became the varsity team, which makes you a pioneer in the Title IX. Well, we, we did. We had a lot of fun. Um, we started out lacrosse. It was a club sport, then became club varsity. And then I was really thrilled when it was made varsity. So helped, you know, maybe did my part to help start lacrosse for women on the West Coast, which I'm really happy about. Being an athlete, do you think that helped you deal with some of the symptoms and have sort of the physical strength and stamina to deal with it? I do. I, I continue to run during the, the treatment. Uh, not very far and certainly not very fast, but I'd run a couple miles a day. Um, 
And because I wanted to stay fit. And I remember when I'd go to the radiation treatments that, you, you know, at that time, you'd sit around a, a room in the waiting room, usually in the basement. That's what's so cool about right. the yeah. James is it's not in the basement. I love that. We'd be in the basement. We'd be working on puzzles together. And I'd look around the room and I was certainly the youngest person there. And I certainly felt that I probably had, you know, um, the best prognosis. So I would come in in my running gear really um, hoping to inspire and to, um, you know, help others think, yeah, stay active, you know, be, be, do everything you can so that you can turn to doing those things. How, how do you think this changed your life or perception of what you could accomplish or do in life or just your own mortality? Well, I definitely recognize my own mortality at yeah. a pretty young age because yeah. it wasn't clear that things would work out exactly the way they did. I think I mentioned earlier that that radiation at the intensity required to kill the Reed-Sternberg cells was really a fairly recent, um, at the time I got it, uh, treatment. So, uh, you know, I was within probably a decade of the physicians recognizing if they followed this treatment that their patients would have uh, a chance of surviving longer than the two and the five years. Yeah, getting a cancer diagnosis back then was really uh, an incredibly frightening experience. Yeah, it was. Uh, I remember sitting there when my the surgeon told me, and I just felt like literally the walls were closing in, right? And and then when he told me, but if caught early enough, you've got a real shot at having a successful and rewarding life. As soon as he said that, the walls kind of went out, and, and I was. <laughs> Uh, okay, I just have to be in the top, you know, 80% of the class. That ought to be easy. Didn't realize it wasn't quite as easy as I thought, but yeah, it, now it you, definitely. You mentioned sur your surgeon. So at some point after the uh, radiation, did they actually surgically remove something? Oh, yeah. So I had the first node removed biopsy to do the diagnosis. And then at the time, the protocol, at least on the West Coast, was to remove the spleen to see uh, if the cancer had crossed the diaphragm, I guess, and what, if the spleen was involved. Uh, fortunately and unfortunately, the spleen was not involved, unfortunately, because they couldn't put it back once they took it out, <laughs> but fortunately, because that would have been a more serious diagnosis. So I did. I had a splenectomy. Wow. And, and when you were pointing to your where the surgeon operated, you were pointing to your neck. So I take it that's where they um, took out some, did, did they operate Yeah, a couple. There? Yeah. That's nodes. right, Stephen. They yeah. took out a couple of the nodes on the, on the neck and I had a couple of nodes involved in the chest, but it hadn't crossed the diaphragm, which at that time was, you know, certainly a good thing. I, I can't even imagine that being a college student away from home and on your own, starting your postgraduate career and dealing with all this, that takes kind of a, kind of a strength to do that. No, I think sometimes when you're young, you just do yeah. what you need to do or old or any, you know, at any age. And um, again, I was pretty fortunate to have a lot of friends. Uh, my teammates were, were really good coaches. So there was a lot of support there. And I think yeah. that's, it's important. You know, you, you really need a lot of support when you go through these things. Yeah. You had your um, lacrosse and field hockey teams and your, your teams at the cancer center. Absolutely. Oh. And, oh, good. That, that gives me a good segue. It's like I planned it. And now, I will, now we can talk about your Pelotonia team. <laughs> there you go. So you 
were started as president shortly after when we should have had last year's Pelotonia ride, which we didn't, but we did the uh, My Pelotonia Challenge. So this was your first Pelotonia experience. You were the honorary captain of the huge and amazing team Buckeye. Yeah. And you rode in Pelotonia. And I always like to ask people this because I'm sure a lot of people told you about Pelotonia and what it would be like, but you can never put into words what it's like to be there. You talked at the opening ceremonies. I watched you on Facebook Live. And then Saturday morning, when you're at the start, those emotions, you it, no one can prepare you for that. So what was that like, the Friday night of opening ceremonies at the Crew Stadium and then Saturday morning riding? It was amazing. You know, it started Friday night and that was a real thrill for me because I got a chance to meet Kevin McDowell. So Kevin McDowell also had Hodgkin's disease and he overcame it. A little different treatment, uh, over which we'll talk about in a minute, but overcame that to get silver in the mixed triathlon relay and the Tokyo Olympics. And such a thrill to meet him, even let me wear his silver medal and we got <laughs> to take a picture. So that was pretty exciting. By the time he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's, and he also had a lymph node biopsied on his left collarbone, and we we're comparing scars. That was kind of fun. Um, <laughs> He, uh, the treatment had changed pretty radically, which is why Pelotonia is so important because it raises funds to evolve the science and the research around treatment. He didn't have radiation. He had chemo. And I think that that allowed him to still follow his dream, right? Because he could get through the chemo, takes a lot of guts, and then get back training again. Can you imagine getting the silver medal in the mixed triathlon and having gone through uh chemotherapy treatment for Hodgkin's. That's, that's pretty stunning. So that was a thrill to meet him. And then the next morning, we, it was a pretty busy, busy weekend because that yeah. morning, of course, we had the Pelotonia ride. And then that night, we had a celebration in the shoe for the 2020 graduates that did not get to celebrate together. That was phenomenal. So opening ceremony Friday night, Pelotonia ride to be the honorary Buckeye team captain was great. Graduation for 2020 that night, and then graduation for August 2021, the next day in the shot. So it was a pretty fun weekend, I have to say. But the highlight, you can't prepare anybody for for riding in Pelotonia. I mean, you just can't. You get to the the start, and they let me go first. And I got out of there as quick as I can because all these these cyclists are coming after you. And then, you know, it pretty much spreads out, and you, you sort of ride in your own little pod, which was pretty neat. But to think all these people are riding because they have themselves or a, a sister, a brother, a mother, father, a friend that's gone through cancer, and they know that what they're doing that day is helping them and helping them, you know, the next people get it. It was pretty moving. And like you, there's hundreds, if not more, survivors riding, which right. is pretty amazing. Yeah, it was. It was definitely pretty amazing. I mean, I was a little concerned because um, I hadn't been on a bike in a long time and my bike hadn't been really looked at in a long time. So I took it in, got it all repaired, uh, got it back, started doing some training rides and just wasn't used to being on the bike, but it came back pretty easily. Well, that I think when you're an athlete, you know how to get back in shape pretty quickly and you know how to sort of endure well, Steve, let's put it this way. You remember how to endure and perform, but yeah. I was a little concerned 
<laughs> and it takes a little longer to get back into shape when you're um, uh, been out for a little bit. And it's been kind of a crazy year. So I have to say yes. I was not as in shape as I'd hoped to be, but I will and, be for next year. And I'm guessing your job is, you know, like uh, 20 hours a day and you don't really have time to train as much as, you know, some of the, some of us who, you know, ride a lot more. <laughs> Well, uh, that was true, particularly for this year, but I'm hoping to get out and I got my bike all up and, and going and, you know, went out on a few training rides with some friends. So I think I'm getting into it. All right. Well, maybe you'll try the 50 mile ride next year. That is a real possibility. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the James and the Comprehensive Cancer Center and how they're helping to create a cancer-free world. A revolution in lung cancer treatment is happening at the James. We're proving lung cancer isn't solely defined by location and stage, but rather the individual molecules and genes that drive it. Simply put, there is no routine lung cancer. That's why our world-renowned specialists put their expertise towards treating one particular lung cancer, yours. At the James, we go beyond the routine to prevent, detect, treat, and cure your lung cancer. To learn more, call 1-800-293-5066. We're back with Dr. Johnson, president of the Ohio State University. And, you know, you got me thinking before when you talked about the advances in treatment from when you were treated till uh, more recently, where it went from radiation to chemotherapy. Now we're going to immunotherapy and precision mm -hmm. cancer medicine and all these advances and funded by Pelotonia, many of these advances. So you have a lot of experience in overseeing hospitals, medical schools, and here you, when you came to Ohio state, what did you, what's your thoughts on where the James and the camp comprehensive cancer center fit in nationally, internationally to help with this issue? Well, we're very fortunate here because we have a lot of the state of the art facilities, like the one that uh, president Biden toured with the leadership of uh, not only the James, but the uh, Richard Soloff Research Institute, as well as the radiation oncology leaders. So I got a chance to kind of tag along and see some of the new facilities. It's pretty amazing. So the LINAC, first of all, it's on, not in the basement, but it's on third floor. So we have the latest equipment. We're also, as you know, building the proton beam therapy facility too. So we'll have the tools and the technology to help treat patients coming in. I got a chance to tour the James uh, with Dr. Farr and Dr. Arnab Chakravarti. And what I didn't realize um, was that they're doing a research called flash therapy, right? And so when I was uh, doing my research, I studied systems called reciprocity failure, where depending on the actual concentration of two products, like intensity and time for treatment, you get a different result. So it's dependent on the actual intensity and the time. So I immediately, like I felt I had this mind meld with Arnab. So I was really super excited to see that. And it's those kind of physician scientists that are leading the world in research and getting towards a cancer-free world, which we're all, you know, of course, have a singular goal. So I think that's one of the reasons. I think another reason that we're well-positioned is because we have things like Pelotonia. And such an amazing leader in, in Doug Ullman is the CEO and also the board and people that are really enthusiastic about supporting 
uh, is such an important uh, resource in this community. So I think you get the combination of the talent, the focus and commitment and, and the contributions, you know, that time, talent, and treasure, that's the winning combination. Oh, I like that time, talent, and treasure. That's great. And when, as you were saying that, I'm thinking, and it connects the community to Ohio State and the James. And, and I take it you saw, got to see that at Pelotonia and how so many people just are now part of the Ohio State and James community. And that just creates synergy. Oh, it's, it was amazing. What did we have? 9,000 riders, I think. And, and I certainly was riding with uh, my deputy chief of staff, Sarah Bowman. And also uh, my trainer was actually the um, uh, security, Cassie Schaefer, who is, uh, of course, on the um, public safety team here at the Ohio State University. So I had people pushing me. It was pretty fun. Yeah, it's, it's always nice to ride with people and yeah. then talk to people as you um, are riding. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned Doug Ullman, who you're right, is a great leader. And you and he share that really that same story, college athletes, scholars diagnosed with cancer while you're in college and, and how it, you know, impacted your life. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I also felt the initial, uh, an immediate connection with Doug when I first met him. In fact, I I think one of the first things I ever did at the Ohio State University, I wasn't even president yet, was to record a video for the virtual Pelotonia last year. So it was so fun to be out this year and actually see it and participate in it. Well, I'm so glad you had the chance to participate. And I'm so glad I'm going to knock on wood for you that you're going to have continued good health and success for many, many years to come. And thank you for sharing your story. Well, thank you. Thank you for for all you're doing to promote a cancer-free world. Appreciate it and best wishes. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur D. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Solov Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.